Nerd Soul. Hi, everybody. My name is Victoria Renee Hand, and I am moderating today for the music panel. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited. This is my first time at Comic Con, so what's up? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm going to basically let these guys introduce themselves. We have Evan Forrester right here. We have Gary Phillips. We have Ben Jack and Doff. Be yeah, nickname. And then Chris Longo and Davian Watkins. So I'm going to go ahead and give it to Evan. You want to go ahead and tell everybody who you are and why you're here, Evan? Perfect. You got the levels, buddy? He's working on levels. All right. Um, yeah, I project. I'm Evan Forster. Welcome, everybody. We're so happy for you guys all to come today to our panel. I'm a music and film producer um, and also owner of Superfans, which is the first um, uh, gamification of discovering talent. And uh, we're really happy to be here with you guys. And um, uh, this is uh, the first time I'm speaking at a Comic-Con, but I've been to like two or three with Davian. So uh, very excited to be here and um, pass it on to my man. Gee. <laughs> Thank you, Batman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, my name is uh, Gary Phillips. I'm mostly a writer. I also work in TV. I'm a, a writer, co-producer on the show called Snowfall about crack in the CIA. But yeah, I guess in the context of that, which is set, <laughs> right, give it up for crack. Thank you, folks. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. What, what, what an audience uh, for the kids. Uh, yeah, right, right. But in the context of that, our show was set in the 80s, and so we're very uh, cognizant of the music that we, uh, that we put into the, to the show. And I'll also say that in terms of the comic book world, uh, a couple of years ago, I did a uh, graphic novel with Dale Barry called The Bebop Barbarians. It's set in the late 50s in jazz. It's very, um, very much a part of that, that story. What's up? I am, I go by B. Earl. I used That's to be Ben Jack, but I changed my name. I'm B. Earl. <laughs> um, so in the music side of things, I have a company with Taboo from Black Eyed Peas. Uh, we actually met uh, here at Comic-Con in 2017 uh, on a project called Masters of the Sun. So if you guys were here in 2017, we were signing uh, at the Marvel booth and we did uh, the Masters of the Sun project that came out with Marvel. Um, and Taboo and I now have been writing with Marvel for the past three plus years. We did Werewolf by Night, uh, which has a TV episode coming out. So, uh, and then we also did Kashala. She's the spirit rider and uh, Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, and we are currently writing the Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man. So I don't know, that was uh, brought up I think at the uh, 60, yep. 60 years. So I think they were talking about it uh, yesterday, I think that panel. So our issue one drops uh, on October, I think, 19th, uh, this, this coming October. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, I'm in the music space as well with Taboo, and we got some cartoons that got music in them and all that fun stuff. So I'm going to pass the mic over to Chris. Very cool. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris Longo, and I have a free magazine for anybody who can guess where I work. Woo! <laughs> Heavy metal magazine. the first one. <laughs> Oh, you don't count, Berthwitz. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever said it first, Honor System, come up and get a magazine. There you go. Um, no, I'm the Associate Publisher and Chief Sales Officer of Heavy Metal Magazine, uh, which is an absolute thrill. I've been with the company for three years, and uh, I also own a marketing agency uh, that's all about fandom uh, called Modern Fanatic. You got it, buddy. I like your hat. <laughs> and I'll pass it to Davian. Hi. Hi everybody, I'm Davian Watkins, um, a creator. I created this character named Notes. Um, he's a music superhero based on some of the experiences that Evan and I actually had in the music industry. 
working with recording artists, and uh, we actually got published in the uh, Culver City Observer. If you're ever in Culver City, you can go out there and check out the um, Culver City Observer free newspaper to check out our Notes Notations comic strip, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that when we get into it. Yeah, I can't wait to, to get into that further. It's very exciting stuff. So I'm going to start with the first question. So listen carefully. <laughs> okay, so think of a favorite elderly grandmother, aunt, or uncle. How would you describe what you do to them in a way that they could understand? It's like, they <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a complicated business, you guys. Well, I can, uh, can I jump in? Yeah. yeah. I can tell you that my most frequent conversations with my family members about what I do for a living always starts with, what do you do for a living again? <laughs> <laughs> so now it's much easier now that I can just say, I'm the associate publisher of Heavy Metal Magazine. At least they understand it's a magazine, but they don't get what heavy metal is. Uh, they don't get this world at large, and that's fine. You know, you have to be here to get it to some extent, yeah. but uh, it, is, it is confounding yeah. <laughs> to a lot of people, and I'm sure you in particular, you know, you have to explain that away all the time. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I mean, I agree. Like, you know, it's always, <laughs> until I started writing with Marvel, before it was like, oh, you work in movies and this and that, nobody ever really knows exactly or like what you're doing or mm -hmm. what is a producer oh are you directing and right, I there's like, so many jobs that are know, involved yeah so it's always so challenging to really describe exactly what you do and i think i've just boiled it down to we're storytellers like at the end of the day we're telling stories and whatever medium that is in that's a medium of delivery so we're communicating stories in some sort of fashion there's so many people that are so. involved in getting the whole picture completed there's you have the music people you have the drawing people you have the storyboard people you have the producers, you have the directors, there's a lot involved. So you're right, it is hard to explain to people what exactly your involvement is. Well, Victoria, you were Cinderella. <laughs> so you were, you were a character. She was Cinderella on Broadway and as, as an actress and singer. What do, you tell, what do you tell the kids and your grandparents? What do you tell them? I play pretend for a living. I dress up. <laughs> I, stop, I never stop dressing up. That's my job. Singing and dancing and, and for, playing for, dress up. And for for me, I mean, I put I put music I put music in um, in movies and film. We were the first to put music in video games, my brothers and I, and that was pretty exciting. Um, but like 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 you said, you know, uh, B, we 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 make we make people happy through music, um, and in all different facets of the entertainment industry and all the facets of content. So when I'm explaining to um, to anybody. I have a guy that asked, has asked me for the last 35 years, what exactly do you do? And um, I manage talent, so I used to manage Lauren Hill and Andre Day and worked with Erica Badu and um, major, major artists and film, film artists, mostly, mostly female artists like Victoria. I manage Victoria. But um, that's like a, a management job is, is different than, than most jobs in our business because you're constantly trying to to enable and empower the creative process and the creators. So that's really what I do. Um, but, I'm, but I'm excited to be here with you guys. So, and G-Money. <laughs> no, uh, well, this has always come up in the past with my, my, my aunts and cousins and such. And so, but the easiest thing was because I've also published novels. So you could just show them a book. Because you, you yeah. try to explain comics or you try to explain, you know, writing scripts. That's a little harder to kind of get your head around 
but the idea that you, or even comics was harder to get your head around. And, and But the idea that you had a book actually kind of was, you know, because you could touch it. You could, tangible. It's yeah. tangible, yeah. And, it's a, and it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, then you, so beyond that, you know, and, which they also, also thought was just a hobby. Uh, but that's fine, and, uh, and so it, it always worked. It always worked out, at least to that to that degree. That's I think true. The other challenge too with comics, you know, especially I mean, like now it's changed. The perceptions changed a lot, but like early on when I was first getting into it, you know, especially with your parents, it's like they think comics are just for kids, right. yeah. And that's always like a big thing. And then when you go, no, they're for adults too. Then they think it's porn. So like <laughs> you're like, well, wait, 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 wait. we don't have to go to one extreme or the other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I think, you know, like in particular, I mean, I know we're talking about music and comics, and I think, you know, what's really cool, like, you know, obviously with heavy metal too, like as a kid growing up, I was like into heavy metal, and then that also got me into the magazine, you know, and I think there's just so many cool opportunities that music and comics have, and when we did like Masters of the Sun, mm. you know, it was scored with Will I Am and, uh, and Hans Zimmer did the so score, cool. so like you actually could read the book, yeah. and then you could scan it with the AR app, and there was music playing with it. Like, it was like next level. We were so far ahead of the curve with that project, but like that's now where it's coming in, like this whole transmedia, AR, VR, the metaverse, all this crazy stuff. And I think there's a lot of really great opportunity because we're going into a much more connective tissue space. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why like this panel is interesting because we can look at music and comics in like a more holistic way. And I think, you know, you could put like music to your heavy metal mag like to heavy yeah. metal magazine right. Right. that, you know, is is really driving the story for it as well. It's opening doors yeah. that weren't there to open before. You know, one thing I pushed for when uh, when I started at Heavy Metal and we just, you know, a whole laundry list of things we had to do before this. So that's why it took forever. But uh, I was insistent upon the fact that, you know, we needed to build community and uh, we needed to build some connections to music that were 100% organic. Um, You know, heavy metal as an entity uh, has some really accidental connections with music. A lot of people on the surface remember heavy metal as a metal magazine, which it's not. You know, it's an illustrated sci-fi fantasy horror magazine. There, some people have a connection to heavy metal from the 1981 animated movie, and because that had such a successful, iconic soundtrack, uh, people associate heavy metal and music that way. Even though the soundtrack has very little heavy metal music on it, it's like Stevie Nicks and Blue Oyster Coulter on there, and there's, uh, there's very little actual metal. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, I don't want to say we take advantage of some of those crossed wires, but we certainly try and clarify things with our audience. And when we do things that are music centric, we try and make sure they're coming from a very organic and understandable place. So one of the things that we're just instituting now is if you're on Spotify, you can follow a heavy metal magazine Spotify profile. And we're going to be creating every week playlists for all of our ongoing stories that are curated by the heavy metal editorial team and by the creators who work on individual projects with us. So it's basically like fantasy soundtracks or the music that, uh, you know, Brian Posehn was listening to when he created the acts for us, things like that. So uh, we're going to be having fun with a lot of that stuff. And I think that's the way you make those connections. You know, if you, if you bend it or try to make it happen in an inauthentic way, our fans are going to know and they're going to call us on it. Yeah, that's true. It kind of calls for itself, right? Yeah. But, Davian, you were about so to I was just going to say that if I was to tell my aunt what I do, <laughs> I, you know, I, I go to these conventions, I buy these t-shirts, I sell these t-shirts. For this t- it's all about, you know, the music and how, you know, we kind of incorporate this into our everyday lives. And we, we wouldn't even communicate. I think that there was um, a transmedia uh, storyteller 
um, who once said the shortest distance between a man and a woman is a story. So when we're kind of communicating, this is why, you know, different artists have different unique aspects or ways that they kind of incorporate their lives into a group or into, you know, how we get together. But um, now we're together again. I think this is something that we kind of just, we're talking about how music inspires our lives. I love that idea. I think something interesting about that, too, what you're saying, David, is about like how music is a universal language. And then you have visual arts are a universal language as well. So you can have, you know, a visual medium, which is comics, and then you can have music, which conveys the feeling and emotion connecting those two. And you don't really have to have words. I mean, that's I don't know. That's one of my biggest challenges is writing comic books. I usually overwrite it and then I like go through and especially when I get back from the, you know, for our letter pass and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I go to my editor, I'm like, okay, cut out all of my words here, cut out all this here. Like in this Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man, I like, there's one page that has no words whatsoever. And I love those kinds of pages where you can just kind of feel like the art, especially when you work with an incredible artist. You know, Tab and I are working with this guy, Juan Ferreira, so you in the comic space, if you know Juan, I mean, he is... Phenomenal. So awesome. <laughs> just go out and get Juan's stuff because that guy is an incredible visual <laughs> artist. I think, that, I think Davian, when he created Notes, was really interesting because, like, like we just said about, about it's a universal language, but it can also change your mood. Um, it's an emotional connection. And one of the things that we talk about when we're, when we're talking about music and how um, it's very tribal, um, but it was like war chants. So you, so you knew when there was music that was playing, that an army was coming and all this stuff. So You know when the shark's about to bite you and, in Jaws. And, and, when, and yeah. when Davian was creating notes, and I thought it was interesting because we were also going through the piracy phase, so Duplicate is also one of his characters. And, um, and notes can change your perception. So when you're talking about like Snowfall and all of the aggressiveness mm. from 90s hip hop, which is really the spawn from the 80s and 90s, and Davian was coming out with these characters and it could, it, by spreading goodwill through the music, yeah. it would change your perception. That was a pivotal so moment in very, history in general. I, yeah, I thought that was very interesting on where he came from because Davian, you know, growing up here in, in, in Los Angeles, he saw a bunch of stuff that whether he agreed with or didn't agree with, you know, growing up, very, very civil strife going on, especially at that time, the gangs were at war. And if you remember, if you lived out here, there was from the Bloods and the Crips and they're coming together and they had the truce and it was, um, it was very instrumental how music and all the guys got together from Ice-T and these guys, they all got together and had the truce. Well, music was a large component in that. So when he was coming out with notes, I thought it was so, it was so genuine um, that it's, uh, it is part of the fabric of everything that we do in society. And um, it's infused in comics, it's infused in gaming. Um, we, were the, we, we put music in like Saw, the movie Saw. So we music supervised some of the cutting edge movies back in the day and just and all the way through it was a lot of fun so that's awesome yeah i would can you talk a little bit more about notes and using music as a superpower well notes was kind of just a result of what happened to the music industry and in the origins of notes which is a different story from my comic strip we're kind of talking about the piracy and how he's battling the bootlegger so he's saving the music while we have a arch nemesis named Duplicate. Get it? Right? <laughs> so, um, well, they're battling back and forth, trying different schemes to kind of just, you know, take out the music. Um, from Evan, 
I think one of the big deals was, um, and even Ben deal. would probably understand because of the fact that it was a big deal. A lot of people was bootlegging. A lot of people were kind of downloading and streaming music. Um, so it was illegal. I took a chance, put out a character named Notes when everybody was still doing that, you know. Um, while even Duplicate might have been even more popular, I, I kind of stayed steadfast and made sure that, you know, Notes was still in, in the public eye and that, um, that the hero always wins, you know. I love it. And music yeah. is such a powerful thing. I don't know if you guys even know this. I recently saw a thing on the Discovery Channel where it actually can physically change the color and the shape of your cells and your body. So when, so when people use music for healing, it's like a, it's a real thing. Yeah. That's a physical, scientifically proven thing. So it's not only emotional connection to film and comics, but it's, it's got, it, just, it can raise your whole vibe. Holistic, yeah. Right. So I'll go to my next question. So one writer posted his top 10 comics that celebrate music. They included Hip Hop Tree, Phonogram, The Fifth Beatle, Little Depressed Boy, and Scott Pilgrim. Do you have a favorite? What is it and why? I mean, we'll, we'll, tell me this question again. Hip Hop Family Tree? Yo, <laughs> Hip Hop Family Tree. Who, who are your favorite comics and why? I love basically. that. Hip Hop yeah. Family Tree. If you haven't read Ed Pisker's Hip Hop Family Tree and you like hip hop, or just, you don't even have to like hip hop. It's an incredible series. Like, that is such an incredible series. And Ed Pisker is such an amazing artist yeah. and storyteller. Like, Go out and get the hip hop family tree. <laughs> and you, may, you mentioned the fifth wheel. That's a fantastic book. Like that is just right. top of the line. It's a good one. Did you research? Did you research? He did. I'm, I'm blanking on the creators right now, which is terrible. But there was, I think, it was a trilogy of of, uh, of stories called Bluesman, and it was it followed this guy like in the late 30s, early 40s, and and I actually think it was a couple of uh, European guys that got translated you know, into English, but I really thought, I really, because I'm really into that period and this whole, you know, mythology, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Robert Johnson, the devil at the crossroads, I'm a big fan, nobody would know this, this guy, Charlie Patton, I think he only maybe recorded, I think there's maybe only one extant photograph of Charlie Patton and I, and I used him in a novel of mine uh, and, and sort of this mythical search for this guy and, and he was a very interesting guy, he was, he was kind of a slight guy, and he was a sort of mixed parentage and black, Indian, white. He had this gravelly voice, and then somehow or another, of course, as, his, as these things happened, he got sliced in the throat, he didn't die, and the voice got even more gravelly. Uh, so, <laughs> but, right, yeah. And, but he was an influence on Robert Johnson, he was an influence on Sonny Boyd Williamson, and so it's that kind of crazy search in America's past, in America's black past, of these of these bluesmen, these blues women who didn't get a lot of uh, recognition, and who actually kind of sort of, I mean, recorded music is still happening, but they didn't quite get the the sort of mythology that some of the others who came after them did, and yet they're the ones that helped fuel that. And so I, I anyway, so this this comic uh, uh, three part sort of graphic novel called Bluesman, I thought was very, uh, it, it it really uh, meant a lot to me, only because I thought it touched on all those kinds of tropes that I've been kind of um, chasing and, and, and sort of incorporating here and there in some of my work. So yeah, that was a, that was a big influence. And then Gary, you actually inspired me just recently too when we were talking about just kind of 
floating some ideas around before this panel. If you guys ever get a chance, there's a, a YouTube video at Nerd Soul um, Podcast. And we were just talking about a character named um, Hypno Hustler. Who's, <laughs> okay, who's, <laughs> a terrible, terrible character. character that kind of like gave me some just like, you know, some things to think about in the future. You know, what, what did the Hypno Hustler do? The Hypno Hustler shows up in, the, in that, some, I forget, I think it's Peter, oh, I know where it is. Peter Parker, spectacular yeah, Peter Parker, Sp- Spider-Man, is it either another <laughs> right, 24, right. whatever it is, it was like during the disco era. Yeah. And his power was, of course, him, and he had the three backup singers, right? And, and he could hypnotize you with his guitar licks. He had these uh, hypno goggles. And this character is so terrible, such a grade Z character. But he's, you know, he shows up now and then. He showed up in, Dead, in the, one of the Deadpool comics. Oh, yeah. And they, they reincorporated him. You know, and he's in, I think, in one of the video games, too. So, I mean, because the character is so bad, it's good. I might have to bring, I might have to bring him back. Right, yeah, I, got, I, got, I got a couple more issues to write, so. I'm going to get into that. That that sounds interesting. (laughs) Hilarious. All right. So we were speaking about how music and comics come together. What can we expect in the future and who is innovating in this space besides all of you? Including all of you. I can can tell you who I think does the gold standard, Z2 Comics. Yeah, Yeah, they're great. Z2 Comics, uh, you know, very smart folks over there. Um, What they do is they make really compelling comics out of either the history of, the background of, or just sort of mythology built around bands. So they've done comics for the Grateful Dead and Sublime, and, uh, you know, they uh, they must have, like... Cypress Hill, Cheech and Chong, even though it's not exactly music, but uh, highly creative, beautiful books, uh, not floppy comics, you know, they're all hardback books. Uh, You should check out what Z2's doing. Yeah, and look at what's coming from the Wu-Tang in the next uh, um, next several months to next year. There's going to be um, a game coming out that you deal with, deal with uh, I don't know if we're not allowed to break the news, but um, Wu-Tang just did a deal with one of the major interactive companies. They'll be launching a game and a whole series coming out. So look for that. There's also a, there was a group of guys that I met years ago that came out with a graphic novel, the Reese Brothers. I don't know if any of you guys saw this. It was called the Omega Nexus. And it was... And it was um, incredible in depth like you're saying about the history the lineage all the backstory of these of these characters and i thought that was very creative on the way uh the way they were incorporating music in in the comics so i think a lot of guys are out there just got to search for them that's right, that's right. And, I, and i think i'm pretty sure z2 is that has a booth out here because i passed it yeah i think yeah, so. yeah yeah the yeah. mm-hmm. uh, music group out here hmm Oh, got it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, it's always, you know, speaking about writing music into comics, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's always such a challenge. So, I mean, you know, one of the things, like, with Werewolf by Night, one of the ideas that we came up with was that actually the way to calm our main hero, Mm -hmm. Jake Gomez, was using a playlist. And that was, like, how this girl, like, his best friend, she used this playlist to, like, ramp him up to get all hype up. So we put like system of a down on his oh, playlist. Oh, I love and it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's silly, but I mean, it's it's fun to kind of see how you can actually incorporate it into the storytelling without you know actually having to have a soundtrack to listen to. Because I think that's always a challenge too. Because it'd be like, all right, we got this soundtrack and it comes with the comic and you can listen to it. But I know they did that with uh, Spine Tingling Spider Man. There was like a song that was written for the Infinity comic. Hmm. So you can actually go and listen to the song, and it tied into the actual storytelling, which I thought was pretty cool. Specific cool. lyrics. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunities where you can weave the music actually into the comic book experience, which I think 
there's still a lot of, I don't know, I think there's still a lot of uncharted territory there. Like, we haven't yeah. really touched on that. I think that's, to me, what's most exciting about comics and music. I think we haven't really seen what can be done in that sort of transmedia right. way, yep. you know? That's so true. I feel like there's been a lot, of, a lot of songs that have been made specifically for the movies, and I feel like those just really hit. Like, when I hear, obviously, obvious example, but on the nose, but, like, the Titanic song, you know, mm -hmm. she's... You're like, okay, instantly when you hear that, you're drawn back to the movie. It helps to create a connection between music and the, the products that you guys are creating, the comics, the films, TV, digital, magazines, everything. It's like a really important part of what people walk away feeling with when they're done reading it or right. listening to it. Right. Yeah, you know, as a, as a reader of comics, I don't know if you're, you know, my panelists here, if you uh, have a different experience, but, you know, you pretty much take the comic while you're reading it and you're, you're filling in the gaps in your head, right? So I don't know if you're consciously aware of this, but I try and lean into it. It's like, I hear the voices of the characters in my head. So it's really weird when you read a comic and you love it and then you go see a film or TV adaptation and you're like, that guy doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> but uh, I, can, I can look at comics and, you know, I, I have this habit when I'm reading comics, I'm usually listening to music at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I okay. can't, like, I, the associations are so strong, like, I can't look at a panel of Love and Rockets without hearing my worn-out uh, Pixies Doolittle tape right. that I listened to over and over again on my Walkman when I was uh, oh in high God. school. But that, that's, yeah. that's, that, you know, I think it's really interesting that, like, now you're at a point with technology and services like uh, Spotify where you can actually sort of architect all that yeah. stuff to work together individually and create your own head soundtrack. And, and of course, yeah. there's, you know, um, these uh, venues like, you know, uh, uh, Graphic Audio, right, which does the sort of full cast yeah. kind of thing, yeah. you know, some of the, on, on the comics and everything, and the, you have music and, and sort of weave woven through that and stuff, so I think a lot of that can be very uh, compelling. Well, there's, you know, the new format of webtoons or webcomics, mm -hmm. right? Like, so we did that, that one I was mentioning, uh, the Spine Tingling Spider-Man was an Infinity comic, mm -hmm. and we did one of those Infinity comics, which it's always interesting to write to because it, it, you're kind of writing a movie because you're scrolling up on the mm. phone. So when we were writing it, it was like you have these long tracking shots, you know, and things like that. But there's opportunities where you can weave in the music in it. I know Webtoons has that. I think Sanford Green or I don't know. There was like, I'm blanking on the Webtoon. But there was like sound effects and music. And you could like scroll through, the, you know. And So there is like a cinematic approach coming into these digital comics, like mm. the webtoons, and I think, you know, uh, webtoons like Tapas, like companies like Tapas and, and Webtoon are really taking the lead in this space. And I know Webtoon, like I think they, they, they're making a lot of money. Their creators are making a lot of money doing this and really innovative. So I think that's a space to watch in <laughs> comics and music. I love that, I love that. I love how Deadpool has music that you would just not expect at right. all for that scene. Like he's slow motion fighting people and it's like, the Ave Maria, or like, right. you know, exactly. completely, really interesting contrast. I love how I love how it's like progressing into something that's a little bit more interesting than everything that we're expecting. Like I know to be scared because you're playing hex chords, because you're playing minor chords. I get that. It kind of almost tells you how you should feel, right? Yeah, that's Just, right. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. I, I've tried to get a you know a Julie Andrews tune into one of the Snowfall uh, <laughs> shots, but they, they won't they won't let me do it. She can she can sing it for I'll you. I'll do that's it. Right, that's right. She I, can I'm obsessed. I, I, I was her. having lunch. I was having lunch one day at Universal, and um, Steven Spielberg was was there, and he was talking with uh, Quincy Jones, and Flex. I was just I was just total 
on cloud nine, just seeing these two guys in the same place. And, and I walked over and I introduced myself and I said, I'm, I, I'm running the West Coast for Universal Music Group at the time. And Steven Spielberg said the most important thing about a movie is the music. Hmm. And I thought that was just awesome. Just to hear that little tidbit, just to give me like a little pump on the chest that music is very important. <laughs> and fortunately I had one of the biggest artists with Erica Badu at the time. And I didn't realize how, how much, um, you know, when you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you're with one of the biggest directors in the world, or the biggest director in the world, and they were having that conversation, he was looking at Quincy telling him that's the most important part of his movies. Wow. So music um, is something I'm very proud to be a part of, and I'm glad you're one of our artists. Thank you. Can you tell he's my manager? He's like, he's a manager as a personality type, I always joke. There you go. <laughs> but, but, she's the, she's, the, queen, the, she's the queen Vic, by the way, at the office. Yeah, well, hello. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I totally agree. You, you've been, you guys have seen some, like the whole revolution of music from the 80s and the 90s and the, between the political aspect of it to actually working with some of the greatest artists of all time. And then I know you were doing branding with, with comics and music, right? Can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So when I, uh, my, my comics career started in the late 90s uh, when I started working for DC Comics and Warner Brothers. Thank you. DC um, <laughs> And uh, I had a very unique job in that organization in that um, my job was to basically work with outside brands and leverage the company's creative capabilities on their behalf. So the idea would be, we would go out and sell the talents of our editorial team, of our you know, writers and artists who are in our stable, and say, we can make a comic based upon your brand, your serial, you know, your mascot, anything. And, it be the, and we used comics as a, a, an example of a, a highly effective marketing tool. So if you wrap a, a, a very soft message into a compelling comic book and give it to somebody read, which they will read and reread if it's a good piece, um, the brand winds up getting uh, a bigger lift out of that association than they would a typical ad. So I created comic books for the likes of like Lego and pharmaceutical companies and you can find a comic book out there where I got Batman and Robin taking Claritin. Like it's just, I'm not gonna, <laughs> oh so I remember that. What's uh, the pharmacy? No, that's a classic collector's item. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that, yeah. So, uh, so it, it was all over the map. And the, the rule of thumb there was always for the company, and, and it's still something that I, I, it's in my head every single day, is like, if you remove the brand from the comic, you should still be able to read it and enjoy it. It should still hold up. If oh, it was wow. just brand generic, brand X, or no brand at all, and it was just a story, it should still be able to be a good read. So if you can weave the brand in softly and subtly and just let it kind of sit in the background and present the material, then that's your that's the, the, the way forward. That's how you do it successfully. Yeah, that's uh, fail-proof. If it can hold its own and yeah. then you add the artist on top, is just like a little cherry, but didn't really need it. You yeah, know? I mean, we did a, we did a program with, with Subway, and I had to spend about two weeks explaining to them why Superman is never going to eat a Subway sandwich. <laughs> Not going to happen. Sorry. Uh, but what but, we but did was we created, That's right, yeah. we created stories about individual characters in the DC universe, and Subway was just sort of like a background consideration. The story was still fun and engaging and warm and for all audiences, and you know there was some soft Subway branding in the background. Um, and, and the key to those things is like you make the human characters in the story the ones who do the shilling, not the... Uh, 
not the, the intellectual property. But I think something to that that's interesting is like what you're talking about are value sets. Yeah. Right? Like what is the value set of Subway? Like what do they represent? And if you're able to take like that value set and then ascribe it to the story and to characters, then Subway is like, you know, they're being sold, but not. It's, it is that. That's, yeah. That's smart. It's I the, mean, it's yeah, the it's quintessential genius. soft sell. Yeah. Yeah, that's I like it. very smart. <laughs> you, you took that niche and just whoop, window of opportunity and you just dove, dove right on in there. That was yeah, like, and that was the, that's essentially the, the guiding principles of my marketing agency, Modern Fanatic. You know, our, our entire gambit is that, you know, we come to conventions like this and, you know, maybe not this year because we're all kind of getting back on our legs here, but you, it used to be you could walk down the street here and you would see outdoor exhibitions from brands like Geico and things like that. And they were giving out free lizards and, hey, that's a lot of fun. But 10 <laughs> seconds after you walked away, you know, you forgot about Geico, the lizard, insurance altogether, and you saw something else shiny and you're going to get that. <laughs> so we try and tell brands like that, like, it's great that you want to be in the space and you, you recognize that the comic convention audience and comic readers are, you know, dimensional, viable consumers, you know, that's great, but you have to approach them in a way that's authentic and not insulting. So if you're going to put a, a superhero cape on your product and call that marketing, you're going you're gonna to be in trouble. Yeah. So what we try and do is show them, don't spend a million, two million dollars to be at this show for a very low return on your investment spend a fraction of that money with us and we'll cut to the core and find the fans who are the most apt for what your mission is. And we will find ways on their terms, without insulting them, to activate them as evangelists for your brand. And, the, and it works. You know, we've, we've turned a lot of brands away from making what would have been big uh, budgetary mistakes uh, and, and guided them to, towards something a little bit more realistic. That's brilliant. I love it. I love it. Great job. Did you want to? Oh, you no, I was, I, yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's really interesting. I mean, kind of bring it to the music side, you know, and, and the idea of like how things are, I hate to use the word viral, yeah. but I mean, it really is, you know, for better or for worse, you know, where you can have earworms. I think that's like such a big thing in music, you know, like Baby Shark, you know, that is a damn <laughs> earworm. Do, 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 I hate that so song. For no but I mean, you have these things that connect us to each other and to storytelling and to <laughs> a brand. And I think as we go into the future, brands are going to become more and more in the background. I think that's, you know, that's going to be the key for brand success. I know this isn't about branding. <laughs> We're not on a panel about branding, about music. But I think it really is something interesting going back to this like sort of transmedia, multimedia, you know, storytelling is that you need all of these facets to really be able to tell these kind of multidimensional stories yeah. from music and, you know, kind of brand values and, and you know, all those elements. Yeah. So I think it's I mean, even as an artist, it's invaluable to find those your your niche group, your people, you know, your your thousand true fans, so to speak, right? Yeah. So that's your super fans. Your super fans. You want yeah. to talk about super you need fans? Are you allowed? I could talk a little bit about super fans. So, so um, super fans came about when I was managing a lot of the talent, and there was always this discrepancy with the, between the artist, the label, problems they were having, and um, we took more of a superhero kind of approach to um, to managing talent and giving them tools, their superpowers, to move through the game of getting into the entertainment industry. And we were, we, were, um, we were caught with a lot of um, issues in the 90s. And I know JC, who's in the back over there, um, worked, with, worked with me when we were going through a lot of the um, problems with uh, censorship. And if, um, I'm sure you guys have been 
hit by some of the censors in some cases, but we were hit with censorship issues in hip hop. And uh, Maxine Waters, who is our congresswoman out here in Los Angeles, she invited me to uh, Congress to go speak at the Congressional Black Caucus and defend young black youth and hip hop. Um, so I know where Gary's, where Gary's been instrumental in creating that, that, uh, that storytelling through Snowfall, but when all this stuff was going on, there was a lot of pushback. So you had the industry pushing back on, on the, voice of the, the voice of the culture. And, you know, I, I realized at a, at, a, at a young age, at 20, 24, 25, that I had to really figure out which side I wanted to be on. If I was going to be on the label side or the artist side. And I chose to be on the artist side and to uh, defend, um, d d defend the artist's freedom of speech. And um, I think we're seeing, you know, when, when a superhero or a comic, comic book, um, where you have the dualities of, you know, somebody's superpowers or what they're burdened by, or their, uh, it, 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 gives, it gives you an opportunity um, through music to really translate that into all different mediums. So what Superfans does is, is we take all of your social media and we aggregate all of that information and put it in one centralized place giving the artist and the creator superpowers. So you're able to um, have a shortcut to greatness in some, in some respect using our Superfans platform. So that's a little bit You market test. You market test talent yeah. through gameplay, tasks and dares, seeing if you can really compete in the game of music or entertainment. Yes, so I just got my, my sign for 15 minutes. Do we have any questions so far? Does anybody have any questions for us? Go ahead, sir. One quick comment and, and then a question. Uh, comment, Chris, I have read your Batman and Claritin story. Let me tell you, it's nothing to sneeze at. So, uh, <laughs> I love it. In terms of uh, the history of comic books and music, uh, and, and Gary, you mentioned you know, some of your historical work that you've done. I know, I can think immediately of some artists, whether it's Paul McCartney or Donovan or Alice Cooper, who were referencing comics in their songs. At what point did the comics industry realize that there was a connection? I, I can't think, other than like an occasional, you know, panel with the Beatles or something. When did comics realize that there was this connection? Um, we probably would have to talk to talk to the, the more of the comic guys. I know on the gaming side, what we were incorporating reincorporating um, artists like you just talked about into into the video game industry. It happened in the beginning of the right at the beginning of the 90s. So you'd have the Mario Brothers type music, you know, do 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 do, do but then taking a, a real artist like a Soundgarden, for for example, and infusing them into the games. We put a blur song number two into FIFA two years after the song had already burned out and the song re-entered the charts. So, so we were able to go to EA and show them that music was a dominant force, almost like what Spielberg was saying, it drives it, and um, it re-entered the charts. So I can tell you that on the gaming side, uh, the 90s were really that time. It was the, it was the breakthrough of them giving us whether it be, we had, we had EA, Sony PlayStation, Konami, THQ, Activision, all under contract to music supervise their biggest and brightest games. And it started right around 94, 95. So we were doing the NBA Live stuff. And like I said, with Wu-Tang, 
or, or Jay-Z and their whole Def Jam deal. So we were doing those kind of deals where we were collaborating with the musicians and the artists to bring forth that whole wave of the video game business. But I guess you could talk and to the comic book you guys. Kinda, I can yeah. piggyback it and yeah. speak to it because after you had already spoken to board members of Activision and things like that, that point, music started to develop in comics. I think visually, the way they're kind of illustrated and then develop you know, further into the video games aspect is, is, a, is a timeline of events. So, um, I think Kiss. I mean, yeah, we can go back. Say, I was yeah, going to say Kiss. Yeah, I think Kiss is really the first time 70s, that we. Right? Yeah, it was the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> But I mean, I don't, no, I'm I don't only know. 30, I'm only like, 32. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, as a kid, for me, growing up, like you know, looking at, because I grew up on like, he, like he, not only heavy metal magazine, but like heavy metal music. Like I was like, I was also into hip hop. But you know, I think there was always a lot of references, especially in hip hop, to comic books. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at like Ghostface Killer and like you know, the, it was like he was Johnny Blaze was yeah. Method Man. You know, right? Yeah. Like so, there was a lot of reference in the '90s hip hop to comics. But it was like people growing up in the comics. I think there's always been a hand in hand with comics. I mean, look, Run DMC. Like you know, DMC did his book. Um, you know, with uh, that was more recently. But I mean, I think graffiti and like what we did with Masters of the Sun, you know, it was like, there's always been sort of a hand in hand culture. with comics, culture, yeah, yeah, cultural music. Yeah, I think, I think, I think maybe the, the, the initial domino was like when Marvel made the conscious decision that their comics existed in the real world, yeah. right? You know yeah. what I mean? Like when you, they would reference musicians from the 60s and 70s and TV <laughs> shows and things like that. And then you saw like marvel team-ups with the cast of saturday night live and stuff like i think that's where like we we may have gotten in our heads that you know they don't have to exist in a bottle you know you need to integrate the two together right exactly exactly any other questions Dazzler. Dazzler. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He got an applause for that Excellent. one. I could have said the Archies, too. I, I really you know, that. I was actually going to bring up the Archies. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, you know, Archie yeah. had a lot. Yeah. And Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, Josie yeah. and the Pussycats. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They had a comeback, right? River, Riverside. Yep. Riverdale. Right. Riverdale. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. Anybody else have any questions before we, we wrap up? We might, I might just sit up here and just chit chat for a minute. Go. go ahead. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he wasn't doctored. I mean, there was. You know, it's. It, I think there's like a layer of like you mm-hmm. can kind of mm-hmm. just be sitting. You know, like yeah. in that space. Because if he had called himself Doctor Doom, but I don't know, is there ever anyone that totally took? I mean, I don't think you could take like visual, uh, you know, representation and then start making money off of it. Um, but I think some, there's always been a reference. Some, some, I can't remember who it was now. Actually, somebody mentioned this to me the other day. Some rock group had used the Silver Surfer on the Joe cover. Satriani. Is that what it, okay, oh, yeah. but I, I imagine they must have paid the rights for that, like, I assume. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't infringe on the, co- just so you, you can't infringe right, on, the, right. on, the, on, the, on a copyrighted work sure whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, we, we had these problems, you know, with, with music where um, producers um, used to say, and JC knows about this, um, with producers they would say that 
if you put, you know, you can take X amount of, X amount of seconds of the song. Well, um, I, I used to get censored all the time where the label would say, you have too many samples on your record. Right. And, I, and, I, and my guys were signing off, they had no samples. And then we had to send it to a musicologist and there was 32 samples on two, two songs. Yeah, so there's a lot, of, a lot of issues. So you can't infringe on the copyright whatsoever, even at even creative work whatsoever. But if you put the needle to the record, it's like if you steal a dollar from the bank, you still rob the bank. So that was the kind of thing. You, you have some creative liberties, but you have to yeah. get licenses and clearance. Yeah, you can't just change the pitch and then change the, the BPM. Change the <laughs> yeah. And that often comes up with, uh, you know, on Snowfall where we want to use a certain song. And, you know, because, you know, the song obviously is associated with the artist. And so then it's like, <laughs> you know, the fee is way up here. Right? Yeah. You would get mechanical rights, right. but we don't want mechanical rights. No. And we, need, we need a song that everybody knows by that artist sung that, you know, well, does it have way. to be sung by that There's artist always, or do the covers work too? Yeah. So I was just going to say too, like even in the writing, like in this last issue I'm, I'm finishing up right now, I put a Black Eyed Peas song, in, like literally wrote it in there. So I'm, I'm seeing if legal comes back on me. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I'm just kind of seeing it like you it's see sneaking if he in. Notices. But I mean, I'd be like, yo, like. Because you for sure could get that yeah, license. Yeah, I mean, we should be able to get the, the rights to it. But I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah it should be fine. We, but I mean, it is that thing of like when you put songs into it, like I use the, uh, in, in the Ghost Rider, the Spirits of Vengeance, I used, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, the set, my world on fire, is it, uh, who is that, the not the bottle, uh, wait, sing it again, it's, it's, they use it in Fallout too, right. who is that, uh, set the Ball world, it's, it's set the world on fire, anyway, oh, I use the lyrics um, in the thing, and I have, you know, Johnny Blaze is singing, you know, and Ketchum is singing it, and anyway, I got away with it, I was able to put the lyrics into <laughs> We, I think it was, uh, might, might have been the comic. We actually, we actually worked on a we worked on a film together, and um, oh. Victoria was writing the lyrics of her song "Monster" into this movie, and the guys the guys just <laughs> ran with it and added the song into the lyrics. And the, so I thought that was pretty cool. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was really excited. That was a lot that. of fun. But you got to have something like that happen. And with movies and TV, they're so far along yeah. that you have to get, you, you know, they're, they're writing, the, writing the music in, but the, but the movie doesn't come out for a year. So yeah. all that stuff. Have happening. you ever just heard a song and not necessarily like it, but when you see it in a film and it fits in the exact right way, mm -hmm. you're just like, ooh, that's a bop right there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I yeah. would say that the, the mood that it kind of sets, even for the characters, oh, it, it kind of yeah. provides an inspiration for the whole entire story. Right. <laughs> okay, so we have five minutes left. Really quick. It, it was um, the ink spots. Who the ink spots. Of that's why I think I got away with it because it was an old song. <laughs> really? <laughs> Snuck it in. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so if everybody can go and follow, like, super, it's superpower underscore enterprises on Instagram. The first three people who like it will win this masterpiece next to Davian. It's yours, everybody. It's superpower it. underscore enterprises. There you go. Hey. No other questions, guys? We good? Is there any more questions? We have like maybe two minutes left. JC, I heard you had a question in the back. What was your question? <laughs> <laughs> Is it true what you say about the foster men? Ooh, what's that? Yes, we are very well. What? Oh no. Um, thank you, God. Thank you, yeah. guys. On that note, yeah. This took a left turn really quick. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for coming to the panel. We appreciate it.